Welcome back, back, back to Young Money Mindset, hosted by Luke Caricchia and Robbie Holdcross. From, from, from the ground up, where we talk about mindset, real estate, the hustle, and everything to help you achieve your dreams. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we got a good episode. Me and Robbie here have been um, kind of looking at some news articles here recently. Why don't you kick us off, Robbie? I know we got a lot of big stuff going on here in Phoenix. Yes, there's a lot of changes in the market kind of going on right now. And I know a lot of people here in the area are worried and all over the U.S. are pretty worried about it. Um, but I would, what I've been kind of you know, displaying to my buyers and some of the other people in the area is that regardless of what really happens to the overall market, I feel like Phoenix as a whole is, is going to fare pretty well throughout. Um, you know, that stat of us having 290 people a day still doesn't change. You know, we're getting a lot yeah, of people, activity. You know, there's a lot of big home builders still doing it. A lot people of big still moving here. Yeah, big apartment developments going in. And, and there's a lot of, you know, bigger facilities coming out here as well. Um, so I know O'Reilly Auto Parts built a manufacturer, you know, off of the 10 there. Um, I actually have quite a few clients that are working over there. You know, Lucid Motors just acquired some land out here in Casa Grande, which is about an hour south of us here. Um, definitely a developing area as well, though. They've got 120 acres out there. There's the big Intel, you know, manufacturer going in there in Chandler that's being built. I actually drove past it the other day, and it's... Is it massive, dude? It looks like a city. It literally looks like a city. <laughs> Holy it's shit. It's ridiculous, dude. It is ridiculous. Um, and then, obviously, I know a lot of you guys have heard about, you know, Facebook acquiring that land out there in Mesa as well. Um, so there's a lot of big things coming out here. I don't think regardless of if the market, you know, dips down pretty heavily everywhere else, I think here it's going to remain pretty steady and the builders haven't slowed down and it's, you know, I just don't see any major dips happening here, at least with the rate that we're going at. Yeah. I don't, I don't see any major dips, you know, in the market. I just, I'm really curious to see kind of how the fed increase in interest rates, how that's going to fare with home values and kind of the demand side. Um, I know on the on the we follow what's called a, a Crumford report, and me and Rab, Ra, me and Robbie uh, sat in on that on that class together, and you know they they had mentioned that about sixty three percent of rentals here in Phoenix are closing below what the advertised listing price is. So I'm curious to see how you know I mean these companies are here now, so it's I wonder how if those people are going to be more rent you know more renting homes as they're moving here and then kind of settling in and figuring out hey do I want to live in Casa Grande do I want to live in Maricopa do I want to make the commute from Chandler Um, kind of how that plays out or if more of those folks would be purchasing. Yeah, are you saying right now then that you feel that she said that rentals were less costly than to purchase right now? Not that it's less costly, but that 63% of rentals were closing below what they were advertised at. The sale value would have, would have been. So, no, so like if um, if let's say you're advertising a rental at 2500 bucks a month, on average, 63% of the times, maybe they're closing at 23 okay. or 24. No, I got you. I thought you were saying as far as what it would have sold for yeah. with, the, with the cap ratio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely an interesting topic. I know, like you said, a lot of... You know, buyers are getting priced out now. Interest rates are up to about five and a half, five and three quarters. Um, where you know, it, you know, even just two, three months ago, we were seeing sub four percent in the threes. Um, so that's definitely deterred a lot of buyers. You know, a lot of people feel that we're kind of at the apex of the seller's market. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. I think you know, there's people are still buying up their rental properties. I think rentals are always going to be a long-term game. You're, you know, if you're holding your rentals, you're typically going to be doing well as long as you have that that revenue stream. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of these people moving here in the beginning are probably going to end up renting for a while and kind of seeing what this market does, especially a lot of the new people coming in. They're coming in for a job or something. Maybe they don't know. Maybe it's their first time out here and they need to feel out that job, see if that's a long-term play for them. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, rentals are have been hot and I think they're going to stay hot and we're going to continue to see more of them. Yeah. I, I spoke with a relocation agent actually recently and he said, it's just been insane. He's like the amount of relocations we're doing right now is just, just absolutely insane. Just with all these companies here, I mean, Intel, Lucid, uh, Facebook, you know, and a few other big, you know, Fortune 500 companies moving out here. All of those companies just hire relocation companies to, you know, take people from all over, you know, the world really and relocate them where they need them. So definitely interesting to see kind of how that plays out. Uh, I'm not, you know, I, I guess, you know, my, my personal take on it is I, I think interest rates and the overall economy kind of pulls a, a little bit of a trump card on 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 um, people moving here yeah. because everyone's affected by the market, whether you move somewhere or you don't, right? Whether there's jobs here or not, um, I think, you know, if you lose a lot of that equity in your home, which, I, I mean, I've been hearing that people have a false sense of wealth right now. Yeah. And I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Robbie, if you think, you know, people are, you know, maybe have this false sense of wealth because your average person has majority of their net worth tied up in a in a single asset and right which is typically their home exactly right? so yeah. if if we do see a correction right you know that equity could could go away you yeah. know and and then they could be back on square one but how does that how does that fare are people going to panic or are they just going to say okay this is the new norm and we go back to kind of more of a, a normal market and a stable market and then we start kind of going back up right yeah. and then we start kind of increasing again so and I think realistically, I think we've already started to see that. I mean, there's 3,000 more homes on the market, I believe it was this week, as compared to last week. So, I mean, that alone kind of tells you that people are starting to slow down. You know, we're not going to see as many transactions as we had before. It's definitely going to get a lot tougher, you know, obviously for us to find those listings. We're going to be competing, you know, with more agents because, yeah, I mean, when the economy does start to slow down, everybody kind of, you know, just, just holds onto their pocket a little bit tighter. Maybe they're not vacationing as much. They're not, they're not traveling. They're not going to go buy that second house right now. Because there's a lot of unknown right now. So it's, you know. And I think that uncertainty in the market really is kind of what what ultimately causes a downturn, right? Yeah. It's like if everyone's certain, you know, six, even six months ago, no one was like, oh, we're crashing tomorrow. You know, right. everyone was like, hey, man. even in sight. Yeah, they're like, bye, bye, bye. So yeah. now I think we have a little bit of a doubt in there. And I'm and curious. It's, it's that bandwagon effect, right? Exactly. So, you know, you hear it from your neighbor and, and that just gets passed along. So. Yep. Yeah. And then they cash out that equity and go buy a larger home or they, they, you know, get a promotion, you know, or maybe they go work for one of these companies that moved here locally and maybe they increase their income. So now they go buy a larger house and right. it just kind of snowballs from there. But yeah, a lot of interesting stuff going on out there in the market. Um, is there any else? I mean, I know we kind of briefly spoke about um, before we were on air here. Um, kind of about the leverage aspect and kind of what people, how much people are, are leveraged right now versus other people. And what are your thoughts on that, Robbie? What do you, what do you see happening with that? Or um, kind of unpack that for us. Yeah. So I actually sat in a conference a few months back here with a guy by the name of Craig Rieger. He's a real estate coach um, and sales. He runs his own team out of, I believe it's Oregon. Um, but one of the big takeaways that I had from that conference was, you know, where are you spending your time and is that on money making activities? So as a realtor, I mean, there's a lot of times throughout our day when we're performing 15 to $20 an hour work. And there's other times throughout our day where we're performing $5,000 an hour work. 
So to give you an example of that, something that's a, a fifteen to twenty dollar an hour work might be, you know, writing an offer or, you know, um, just cycling through paperwork or you know doing your admin stuff. You know, there's a lot of you know tedious little things that we have to do on the side because you really are running your own business. You know, and and if you can kind of leverage that out, hire on assistants, lean on your team a little bit to where you know you're using your time for strictly appointments or those money making activities. You know. Um, and I think, you know, the more you're able to do that, it's, you know, it just increases. It's your, huge. Yeah. yeah. Increases your potential. Uh, well, and you, you know, you look at it over a year, right? You know, those small little things might not seem like a big deal in the day to day, you know, when you're kind of living in that day to day grind, right? Of like, right. Hey, I'm going to write this offer real quick. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you're exactly right. You take that time over a year, you know, even if it's a 10 minute task, you know, I mean, you, you take that week over week, year after year. I mean, two, three years down the line, that could be a huge difference in person A's business versus person B. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's, I think it's more difficult if you are that person that is scared to leverage, or maybe you're just, you know, kind of timid about that. Um, I, I see a lot of people sometimes that they do it them, everything themselves, right? And they kind of fall into that mindset of like, no, I want it done my way. I do it right. I know it's going to get done right. So I'm going to do it personally. Yeah. And there is something to be said about that, Robbie. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you, I think you got to be able to let control go a little bit and kind of realize, hey, man, you know, I can hire someone to do this and take my time and go spend it on a money-making activity. So, yeah. And I feel like re realistically, I feel like that's what kind of bridges the gap between, you know, like the top 5% and, and the lower 95%, you know, because there's a lot of people that need that hourly, that structure, you know, so if you can provide them with that, there's a lot of people that are willing to do that, you know, and if you can, if you can leverage your time, leverage your systems, leverage your people, you know, that's how you really, you know, get to that upper 5%, that upper 1%, whatever it is you're trying to reach. Yeah. And then also incentivize people, you know, because... There isn't wrong, you know, anything wrong with working that hourly job. But, you know, when you think about it, it's like if, you know, especially just, you know, from the, the little bit of experience I have with hiring people, I, I you know, we, we just hired um, three acquisition specialists on our team and interviewing and, and, and competing. I mean, it's kind of like a listing appointment in a sense, because yeah. it's like, you know, they're not just sitting down with you. You know, most people will go interview two, three, four, five companies, 10 companies. Right. And, you know, you're competing against that, that person's time really. And, you know, I, I think it's something, there's something to be said about um, structuring it in a way where, you know, the person hiring you, the, the employer is being able to kind of let those money-making activities come back to them. And maybe that administrative side go to the person they're, they're hiring. But then also on the flip side, it's like, you know, if you are if you are getting hired or you are the employee, it's like you you need to be shopping that right around and making sure it's a good fit for you personally as well. And it's it's actually more competitive than I thought. Yeah. Like I, I didn't even know, like, you know, people sit down in an interview right now and they're like, hey, well, you know, so and so is offering this, they're offering this. What can you offer me? And I guess that's that's what it comes down to. But I, I think you're exactly right. Fifteen, twenty dollars an hour. I think there's tons of potential out there for people to, you know, either work in that position in order to learn the skills and and kind of be in that culture where they can thrive. And then there's the other people that are hiring those people in order to try to get to that next level. Yeah. And I think, you know, as an employer, I think, you know, the, the biggest value that you can give to somebody that you're trying to hire on is that opportunity for growth. So, you know, these guys that, we've Big just, time. You know, that you've just recently brought on, you know, 
they understand what they're here for right now, but we've or you've painted that vision for them so they know what opportunity they can create out of it and what else they can learn from you based off of your real estate experience and not just this particular job position. You know, we're, we're, you're setting them up for a, be- a better future than they would have. You know. Yeah, absolutely, and I, absolutely, and I, I think you know, and you know, I could be completely wrong on this. You know, and that that's one thing we've said from the beginning. You know, we're still figuring things out. You know, we're still learning. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, is your employer really looking after your best interest as an employer? Because I've had jobs before where I thought that was the case, but then when another opportunity presented itself, the story changes, right? right. So, you know, there is something to be said, I think, even on that end of the of the spectrum as well, is like being a leader, and I've always said, you know, the, the leadership style that I want to try to adopt and, and thrive to be is the leader that wants to see the, 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 the nest, you know, grow and then, right. you know, fly away, you Bring know, everybody up with you, you exactly. Know, I want to, yeah, yeah, I want to see them fly away and create their own nest and their own dreams and legacy and, you know, everything everyone wants. So I think it goes both ways, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, but um, what else do you see? I mean, what, what other, um, what other things do you see going on right now in terms of, you know, either leveraging time, like we kind of mentioned right now, leveraging money. Yeah. Um, I talked to a hard money lender, actually. That was pretty interesting. I don't think we talked about it. And they were saying they're holding cash like crazy right now, yeah. just in case we do start seeing rates even go higher, that they think that the hard money side could go from like 10, you know, 9, 10, 11% to like 15, 20%. So that and that was just from a hard money. I mean, it's just a nuanced conversation with them. But I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts on leveraging, you know, money, leveraging, um, you know, people, leveraging time? Yeah, I mean, as, as far as leveraging money, um, one thing I'd like to touch on is debt. Um, so when a lot of people hear the word debt, they automatically go to something negative, like Dave, like Dave Ramsey. Dave, exactly. Dave Ramsey. I, I honestly, I, I was taught a class by Dave Ramsey. It was a personal finance class in high school. And I can't believe that they're actually teaching this to people or that people are following. I mean, if you're not, if, you, if you're under the age of 95, Dave Ramsey's not the guy you listen to. You know? If you're under the age of 95, don't, yeah. Hold your money. Don't, don't ever get a credit card. Yeah. You don't need it to buy a house. They can underwrite you. It's like, no, you need, yeah. you do need to understand how to use debt in your favor. And that's one of the big things that all these big investors and all these successful people do. Um, so, I mean, a, a bad debt, for example, would be something like your car, you know, you're not really, unless you're an Uber or DoorDash or something like that, you're not gaining anything from your vehicle. That vehicle is not actually making you cash flow. Uh, another bad debt would actually be your personal residence, you know. Um, so I know a lot of people for that reason will actually rent because it is a debt. It's a liability. Grant Cardone is a big believer in that. Grant Cardone, he owns billions of dollars worth of rental real estate, yeah. but doesn't own his own home. Right. He rents because he's like, why do I want to be married to a location, uh, a particular property when I can own the, the income producing assets and live wherever I want in the world? Right. So, exactly. you know, I guess there is two schools of thought on that, right? Like your Dave Ramsey, that's anti-debt. And I think Dave Dave Ramsey's message is good for the average person. Like the average person, I think maybe that, you know, overextends themselves with bad debt. That's kind of like his, maybe that's his audience or like the people he's trying to connect with and be like, people don't, can't get a grip. Yeah. Like yeah. don't go spend $60,000 on a brand new truck and pay an $800 a month payment on it when your income is 80 grand, right. you know, like, but, you know, back to Robbie's point, I think he had a really good point with, 
you know, being able to to separate those between good and bad debt. You know, good debt would obviously be like, you know, a fourplex. Exactly. You yeah. know, or or a duplex even, you yeah. know, or just something that's generating income. Yeah. I was going to ask you actually too, um, Robbie had a little idea that he was kind of throwing around probably like a month ago on some Turo rental cars. I just wanted to get an update. Um, what would you ever come up with that? Did you ever? I hadn't actually dived into it yet. You know, I'm having difficulty with the thought of purchasing a car right now because used cars and new cars are almost the same right now. So I'm trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what's going to make the most sense. I do have that flip coming up very soon though that'll close probably in the next couple months or so. So I think you know, I'll probably take about half of that, buy a car for Toro, and then, you know, just give it a go. You know, I, any any type of cash flow, you know, I've I've got some different locations I can leave it at. I've got good options for mechanics that'll work on them. So I think, you know, it's one of those things. I'm just going to try one car, you know, if it yeah. doesn't work, what, what's the worst amount? 15 grand? You yeah. Know, it's, yeah. I, and, and too, like, I think there's something to, like, you think of all the lessons you're going to learn, right? Yeah. Of like running that business and learning all, you know, all the ins and outs about it and, you know, how to find a profitable one versus what makes it unprofitable and all right. the things you'll learn on that end. I think you, you can't lose on that. You yeah. Know, the even customer if, relationship. That's why a lot of people actually use Toros for the customer relations. It's a lot more of a direct transaction than it is going with like a Hertz car rentals or something like that where you're yeah. dealing with the front desk and you never know what's going on. You know? Yeah. You, yeah. You're just we, like a we've number. We've all dealt with them before. They <laughs> yeah. might not even have a freaking car for it. You know? <laughs> yeah, you walk in, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, something like that is absolutely a good debt, you know? So that's something I'll take a risk on. And, you know, I've talked about it before. I think being young, I think you should absolutely be taking risk. And I think going into debt is the best way to do that when you don't have money. Yeah. You, know? you got to spend money to make money. You don't have any. You can go negative and climb back out of it with the right investment. Well, you know, if you think about it too, it's like, you know, especially on the real estate side of things, it's like if you leverage, like if you if you can control an asset, if you can own an asset for 10% of its purchase price, I mean, you could theoretically control a million dollar asset for a hundred to 200,000. Yeah. That same property appreciates, you know, like we've seen 26%. Right. I mean, you're making 26% on a million instead of your hundred or your 200,000. Exactly. So... I think there is, you know, so much growth opportunity there where you just wouldn't be able to get that, you know, if you just kept cash, 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 and yeah. didn't didn't do anything with and it. It's because people are scared, you know, when you don't have money in your checking account, people freak out, you know, but you got to be comfortable. You got to have those reserves like you always talk about, Luke. And if you're in a good position to be able to do that, you know, making a small monthly payment on a million dollar investment when you're at 10%. Yep, is a, a beautiful thing. So. And, and locking in a rate too, you know. I mean, locking yeah. in interest rate. I think you know, inflation's eight and a half percent. You know, people are still loaning money right now at five and a quarter, five and a half. Which so really, it isn't bad. It's, it's not bad. It's really not. You know, I mean, you just gotta rework the numbers and make sure the deal makes sense, and and really believe in the asset too. I yeah. think that's that's huge as well as believe in what you're buying. You know, that's Warren Buffett's number one rule. You know, exactly. Yeah, believe in the asset. You know, I I actually listened to a, a gentleman um, speak about um, really kind of what like what they do on their investment strategy is like you know buying stocks or buying equities that you actually use on a daily basis. And I, I think that's kind of what Warren Buffett preaches too, yeah. is like yeah. buy what you know, you know, yeah, buy what exactly. you use, yeah. you know, on you a daily basis. Every day buy Walmart stock. Yeah. You know, if that's something that you do, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um and it's 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 really that simple, you know, don't overcomplicate it, do what you know. We know real estate, so that's you know, 
yeah. pretty much going to be our investments. So, and that's that's one of the biggest reasons I got into real estate too, is because I, I always loved the investment side of the things, and I always knew like if I just go and become an agent, I'll learn the investment side, I'll learn all the ins and outs about it. And then not to mention you have access to a lot of things that, right. you know, someone that maybe is not licensed, you know, doesn't have access to. Um, speaking about Walmart, going back to that point, <laughs> I, I don't know why I just thought of this, but have you seen that website called peopleofwalmart.com? I, I think many, many years ago. <laughs> I've not seen it in a while. I pulled I, it I up the other day. I talking about, though. Dude, oh, man. I can't say the, the COVID word, but, man, people were tripped out still in Walmart in some of these pictures, dude. Like, yeah. full hazmat suits, and we're in May of 2022. Oh, really? This is recently? Yeah. Like, I'm talking, like... Do they put a state or anything on it? Is it people in Florida? Uh, I don't... <laughs> it probably is. People of Florida? That's probably another website. <laughs> yeah, people... I know, probably. <laughs> Really is. Um, but yeah, so anyways, enough on that. But I mean, what else do you guys see going on? I mean, I know we were talking about leveraging time, leveraging money, leveraging debt, you know, the differences between good debt, bad debt. I think a lot of people might get confused on that or, yeah. or you know, anything that's really not fun or, you know, anything that is fun to buy. Um, like a brand new sports car. If it gets you excited, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things where it might not be the best debt to have, but then you got to weigh out, you know, where you're at in life. And, you know, I never want to be that person that's like 60 years old that's like, I'm anti-debt, man. Everything's paid for. And I drive a 1992 Camry. And like, yeah. I'm scared to go buy it, like a depreciating bad debt, quote unquote, asset, like, right. a you know, a, a sports car or something. So, um, what else do you got there, Robbie, for us today? Uh, I mean, the last one I had on here was leveraging markets. So I've got, you know, it's kind of been crazy. The people that have been reaching out to me lately to sell have actually been people, I'd probably say the average, at least over the age of 50. And the reason I was kind of, I just, I made a mental note of it was because, you know, they've been through it in 88. They were through it in 2006. They're going through it right now. They see what's happening. So it's, I, I think, you know, as far as leveraging the market, a lot of these people that are experienced in it have done it before. A lot of these people are higher dollar clients. You know, they're seeing this. They're ready to sell off right now, wait a few months, wait a year, and then get into their next investment. These people have rental properties and stuff, stuff like that that want to relocate. You know, I see a lot of these people that are, you know, a little bit older, probably wiser, more knowledgeable than us because they've seen it happen yeah, before. They've lived through it. They yeah. it. So they're, you know, those are the ones that are reaching out to me like, hey, I think it's time to sell. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. Well, they've felt the pain, right? So yeah. like me and you have never really felt the pain of being in a in a yeah. bad recession. This will be our first go. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, there's something to be said. Like I, I think currently, you know, my my personal view on it is I think we're already kind of in a recession in, yeah. a, in a sense, absolutely. you know? And it's just like, okay, how bad is it going to get? You know, I guess that's kind of our next question. But I've never personally felt the pain. You know, I watched my parents go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, you know, I wasn't the one paying the bills at that point. Right. So we're it's just, like. We are just aimlessly kids, you know. You yeah. Really, it didn't, it, it was going on, but it didn't really matter too much. You know? Yeah. It was just kind of one of those things where, okay, cool. We, we moved from our house to an apartment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but as a kid, like, you don't know. Like, yeah. whatever. Cool. We're not going out to dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, you're right. just like staying home. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, I, I think this was a good conversation about, you know, debt, you know, uh, you know, good bet, good debt, bad debt, uh, leveraging. And, um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we. No, that was pretty much all I had for today. Um, you know, highly encourage you to seek out those good debts and, and find something you believe in to invest in. Cause that's ultimately what's going to set you up for, you know, who you want to be in the future. 
Yeah, I agree, guys. Thank you guys so much for uh, listening into the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys leave us a review. It really helps out the podcast, reach more people. We'd greatly appreciate it. And uh, take care, guys. Have a good rest of your day. Appreciate all you listeners. Catch you in the next one.